Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Hello, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, and back with me at the table today is Jeremy Kimball. Jeremy shared with our church this past weekend from the final passage in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. Jeremy, welcome back. Hey, glad to be here, Bart. I always enjoy this follow to our sermons. This is great. Well, it's a lot of fun for all of us, and I know you opened this particular section of Matthew's Gospel three weeks ago, and yes. here we are wrapping it up. Yeah, it's it was neat to be able to open and close uh, this particular sermon. It's really sweet, and so a lot, a lot to learn, a lot to grow in, and God's grace is good. Well, he, uh, you've done a great job, all, all of you who have preached on these passages. And, and I want to go back, before we get into chapter 7 here, I want to go back to a passage in chapter 4. Uh, Jesus called the people using the same phrase that John the Baptist used throughout mm-hmm. his brief public ministry. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm-hmm. And that phrase, kingdom of heaven, as far as I can tell, it's only found in Matthew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the others use what I believe is, most people believe, is a synonymous phrase, the yeah. kingdom of God. Right. Some yes. people take a little different tack on that, but we won't right. go into that right now. But certainly in that day, people were looking for God's kingdom, and today we're anticipating the very same kingdom. Talk to us a little bit about the imminence of God's kingdom and its continuing eminence today and what effect that should have on each of us. Yeah, so in, in Jesus' day, certainly the Jews were awaiting this kingdom to come. And I think for many, even the disciples, I mean, in Acts 1, they're saying, so is this the time you're going to restore your kingdom? And, and just try to figure all that timing out. And we said a little while back, there's a, a sort of a already, mm-hmm. as in Jesus came and he established this kingdom, his people in his place under his rule, but there's a not yet, as in it's not yet fully here. Someday he's going to return and make all things right, fully a new creation. There was an image to when's the Messiah going to come back in that era, and he came. And there is a definite, as you said, an imminence, a, a, a waiting for, and a, a moment in time that comes. We don't know when that moment's going to come. He will return and make all things right. So the kingdom... The idea of God's people in God's place under God's rule has applicability back then as well as now. And we're seeing already, uh, hey, the kingdom means that there's salvation available, the Holy Spirit indwells us, and all these things. But we're awaiting that day when God's kingdom comes in full. They saw it then. We're waiting for the fullness of it to come still. And it could come any time. Yes, and that's what we're Come, Lord Jesus, right? That's the prayer we pray. Very quickly come. So, Jeremy, we live in an age of self-identification, uh, personal freedoms. I can be and I can do whatever I want and whatever I feel, and you have no right to define, mm-hmm. judge, or do anything else about it. Now, some, and unfortunately, even in our churches, want to use passages like the first six verses of chapter 7, similar passages in Romans 2 and James, they want to build a case against judging, or we could even use the word discerning, perhaps, between right and wrong. Now, I think you did a great job of highlighting this passage, but boy, it stands repeating. Can you summarize briefly again and just hammer it in for us what Jesus is and what he isn't saying here about judging? Yeah, no, that's that's really crucial because that first verse, judge not that you be not judged, Talk is... Talk about context. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is used all the time. 
out of context. Like you said, don't don't ever judge me. And and so really quick summary of this. He's saying, hey, be aware of how you judge, because verse 2, it says the way you judge, you're going to be measured out in that same kind of judgment from God himself. So if there's a kind of a, a hypocritical, a kind of a harsh and unloving judgment, Jesus is saying here, that's not the kind of judgmental attitude you want to have. James 2 talks about this, like you said. But then he, then he specifies. He says, hey, why do you see this speck in your, your brother's eye? and not the plank in your own, which is a really weird word picture, right? It's like a two by four coming out of your eye and then noticing, hey, you got a little something in your eye right there, which is is the irony of it should strike us. But he says, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So taking the speck out of your brother's eye is rendering a discerning, humble, loving judgment. And so with that, I think that I see here in context... The idea of don't judge like a hypocrite. We all do this, right? We all judge and not look at ourselves and our own lives, whether we're doing the same kinds of things. Don't judge harshly or unforgiving or in an unloving way. Like As they repent and want to get reconciled, forgive them, love them. But there's still a call here to, as we remove the, the issues in our own lives, to look to others. Galatians 6 says, you restore them in a spirit right. of gentleness, Right, First uh, Corinthians 5 says we look to those who are within the church to talk to and exhort, exhort another day after day. Hebrews 3 says there's lots of text to go to, but I think Jesus is getting at the demeanor of that judgment, right? The right. demeanor and the, the way that we would respond to their response. Mm-hmm. And in judging, discerning, helping somebody, pointing something out in love, you're talking about in meekness and humility. Uh, it goes does go back to those two greatest commandments. Loving yes. Loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Loving our neighbors, ourselves. Yeah, if I love God with all my heart and know his word, I, I've, I've got a job as a member of, a, of our church to say I want to exhort humbly but but correctly others based on the word. And I want to love you. That's actually a form of love. Somebody say you you doing that isn't loving, but actually it's the most loving thing we can do because we're trying to Help one another to stay on that path. And I said Sunday, Bart. No one, no one enjoys receiving correction. No, no one, no one enjoys uh, being at the the end of. Oh, please correct me more. But I think we can all attest to the fact of that person who was brave enough and humble enough and and uh, kind enough to do that was loving me in that. Absolutely, and we all need that. We, we all do. need the correction of yep. a friend. Uh, to come alongside us. Hmm. Well, let's move to prayer. Hmm. Talk from one big thing to another. Yes. And, and it is a big and, and often confusing subject and a confusing discipline sometimes. Uh, the whys and the hows of prayer take a lifetime to consider and practice, and I know that because I'm not yet done with mine, and I'm still considering. Hmm. But Jesus does remind us that it is simply a child asking his or her father for what he wants to give them anyway. Uh, Jesus is talking about the who, what father, when his child asks for a loaf of bread, gives him a rock or a stone, right? And a fish uh, or a, a snake rather than a fish. Now you noted that effective Christian living requires supernatural strength right. and supernatural humility, and that prayer is the proper access to that. So yep. it seems yep. so simple. Jesus says, "Ask, seek, knock," but we make it so hard. We do. I do. I, I mean, I'll just say for me, and I think that this is probably true for many of us, I just 
It's not even an idea of, I want to live independently. I don't need you, God. Mm-hmm. But we live in a way as though this is all dependent on me. I've got to come through. I've got to work hard enough. I've got to stay up late. I've got to get this done. I've got to do this thing. And God's waiting by as a good dad, as a good father saying, man, as you are trying to do this in your own strength and you're dealing with anger issues, you're dealing with uh, going the way of the world in your demeanor or um, any variety of things, judging in a hypocritical way, the access point to change and growth in those areas is prayer. It's so simple. It's so simple. And I think the thing is, at times I can feel like, well, maybe don't I ever graduate from needing God? Right. And the answer is no. In fact, the most mature people at Grace Baptist Church realize and recognize they need prayer now more than ever. That's a sign of maturity, not of immaturity. The more mature we become, the more we begin to rely on and say, I need God in every moment for these kinds of things to live it out. So he's there. He wants to grant us the good gift of, of godliness and help in these ways. And we just need to go and access, ask, seek, uh, knock, and do those things again and again. A 19-year-old Bart Sheridan was laid in bed with a broken leg. Hmm. And I was given by the pastor of my church at the time a copy of the book Celebration of Discipline. Yeah. By Richard Foster. Yeah, that right? that's right. That's right. And uh, one of those disciplines that he focuses on is prayer, mm-hmm. among other disciplines. The word discipline. Talk to us about that. We want to think of prayer. Well, it's just what you do. You talk to God, but it is a discipline, and is. there is a key. I think recognizing that it is a discipline. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, First Timothy four seven comes to mind, where it right. says, "Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness." So, godliness doesn't just happen. We have to discipline ourselves toward that end, and godliness is consisting of certain things, including prayer. Mm-hmm. A, a godly person is a praying person. So so with that, we do discipline ourselves to say, perhaps in the morning, at lunchtime, in the evening, I have, I have times of concerted prayer, we'll just say. And I think it's important to say this because some people would say, like, well, it's just prayer without ceasing, and I'll just pray throughout the day and pray spontaneously. I would ju- What's that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would just say that, uh, spontaneous prayer springs from the discipline of prayer, not the other way around. So as I, I discipline myself to pray in various points, it gets my mindset more toward this dependence on God, speaking to him, saying certain things to him spontaneously that's fed by that discipline over the course of days and months and years. Right. Very good. And it is a, has to be a discipline, just like the, you know, the reading of the Word, meditation, mm-hmm. fasting, uh, memorizing of right. the Word of God, fellowship. So many of those disciplines. I'd love to get into those here mm. in future times. Well, Jeremy, there is no more sobering passage in God's Word, oh. I'm sure you might agree with me, than verses 21 through 23. Yeah. A person can get to the end of his or her life trying to be faithful to God and have Jesus declare those, I'm just going to call them awful words to him, to her, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. Now, there may be one listening now who wonders, could Jesus one day say that to me? Can you speak to that one who might be concerned that he or she might be the recipient of those words? Yeah. I mean, both services on Sunday, I read those verses and I paused. And I just prayed. 
And I, I prayed, God, help me to say this in a way that if someone did not believe on Sunday, mm-hmm. they'd feel the weight of this. And help me to say this in a way that for someone that truly does believe in you and is following you doesn't get crushed by this. Mm-hmm. That's a hard part of a preacher's job sometimes, yeah, just, try, just trying to bring that all to bear on the various kinds of hearts that are present. So to your point, to the one who, who may hear that, the tender conscience of one who is truly following Jesus reads that and says, oh, I, I wonder if that could be me, I, I would say I, I, am, I am both challenged and heartened by a book like First John, mm-hmm. which goes through and, and gives a number of assurances and tests to know that I'm following Jesus. There's, there's a doctrinal sort of a test of like what we are affirming confessionally. There's the love test, my, my loving God and loving others. Mm-hmm. But I mean, back to this context here, Jesus simply says, follow me. And there's a, there's a heart that turns from sin and believes in Jesus in a way that says, I'm going to walk out my life following you by following the words of this book called the Bible, stumbling, bumbling along the way, confessing and repenting, getting with others to help me to keep going in those ways. And so, I, I, Lord, I do want to love you with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. I do want to love others as well as I can. When I'm convicted of sin, I want to repent. When I'm corrected by others, I want to turn away from sin and turn toward the right thing. Uh, those are signs of a person who's following Jesus. Again, they, they're loving God. Their, their love is there. The disposition of their heart is to, to know and love God and to love others and care for them. They're convicted of sin. They respond to that conviction by the Spirit or by others, by turning from sin toward the right things. Those are good indications. Not perfection, Bart, because we know we're not perfect. But I think there, to to read that, Jesus is trying to put it in the context again of those who could be hypocritical, harsh, unloving, unforgiving, and to say, that's not my heart. I want to follow Jesus in these ways. That's the indication of a heart that knows the Lord. And I think it's instructive to read Jesus said what he actually said. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. Yes. You're never part of my flock, in other words. This is not a statement that one has lost their salvation. Correct. Yes. Very, very true. Very important to see that. And you'll see, if you read all of Matthew, I'm sure we, we all are in our church, as we read through Matthew, we will see a lot of instances of people who think, I, I mean, I'm good. I'm fine. And Jesus is flipping that on its head saying, no, 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 the repentant, humble follower, they're okay. The one that's just focused on religiosity and looking good, that's not a person who's a member of the kingdom. And that's not a loss of salvation. That's a, that person has never truly known me. There you go. And and in our church culture, we might want to say the person who is relying, remembering a prayer that they said, a decision card that they mark their name out on, yeah. uh, attending church for X number of years or whatever it might be, but they don't see the fruit that is exemplified in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, for right. example, or others throughout uh, Matthew 5 through 7. Yep, that's true. Totally true. That, that fruit is a huge point of raise. Bart, thanks for that. And, uh, and with that, too, I like to ask the question, not when did you believe in Christ for salvation? I like to ask... Are you believing in Jesus Christ for salvation? Because a, a true statement of faith is a persevering faith. Right. And, I mean, the last thing I'd say to this person that may struggle with, man, could that be me? 
as you say, okay, yes, 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 I, I would affirm all those things, is to say, the work of Christ is finished. Don't just look to the prayer card or the note in the Bible or that moment in time. Look to the cross. There you go. Great. I appreciate that, Jeremy. Great response. Well, as I was reading this chapter this past week, one passage that caught my attention, quite honestly, Jeremy, it's one that I haven't paid much attention to in the past. It's verses 28 and 29. Hmm. It says, The crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So, Jeremy, speak to us about the importance of, of our, I'll say the word awe, of hmm. Jesus and his authority in our daily walk with him. I, I'll tell you, as I was thinking about this, preparing for our, our discussion, I looked up that word authority, and there's an idea there of jurisdiction, one yeah. uh, one source said. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hearing two things there, so I'll just say one. Um, we should be in awe of Jesus Christ. Can I just say, I mean, I, I've been here not as long as you, Bart, uh, at our church, but just to say, I, I think we all could say, you know what? I want to grow in my awe of Christ. I know I can say that. I, I want to grow as, as I, I sing songs and pray prayers and hear sermons preached and, and partake of the, the elements of the Lord's Supper or see a baptism just to always be drawn back to awe in Christ. I think as a church, you know what? We, we see that and get that so well, but I think we can grow there. We can grow in our awe of him because you're right to say there's authority that Jesus possesses that is incalculable, right? It's, it's, it's uh, incomparable. And actually, Tom Hutchison, when we reviewed this sermon last Tuesday, was pointing out to me, hey, there's lots of moments in Matthew where authority comes through. He has authority to cast out demons. He has authority to heal diseases. He has authority to calm storms. And at the end of the book, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's all the way through. And so there, there's a call here to recognize this is the being of the universe who has supreme authority. We have piddly authority, right? Like, well, is that yeah. that much? Yeah, I, I know, right? So, <laughs> so, so minimal. Yeah, it's so minimal, and, and we tend to think, look at what I have, this little kingdom of mine, and Jesus is saying, I, all authority everywhere belongs to me. Well, okay, so let me ask Jeremy Kimball. You've been uh, at this Christian life for uh, a couple decades or more, yeah. and would you say that people, I'll just say people in our church, as you've observed, or maybe you in your own life, would you suggest that we too often get so familiar with God. Uh, we, we run around, you know, Abba Father, and we want to make him our daddy, mm. but we mm. forget about who he really is. Yeah, uh, I, I can remember, especially as a young child, uh, having deep love for my father, but I was I had a fear of him. Oh, and an yeah. appropriate awe of what he was. I mean, he was something else. Yeah. And I, and I still maintain that. But do we mm. as Christians often allow God to just become so familiar that we just... Yeah, no, that, that, that certainly can be the case, right? So I, I just had a chance to talk to a group of people on Saturday about um, God's transcendence, mm-hmm. his majesty, his, his I, I'd say his bigness, it's probably not even a word, but that's what I use a lot of times, and his imminence, which means his nearness or his, his presence with us. I think it's easier 
to focus on the imminence. Many times say he's near and, and all these, th- these phrases we use. And he is. Jesus is our brother, Hebrews says. God is our father. But there are so many texts that get at the idea of like reverence and awe and worship and fear of the Lord. And that transcendence is real. And Jesus, I mean, you read the Gospels, that's fantastic. But I would say, read the book of Revelation. Yes, Revelation, the last book of the Bible. <laughs> read it. And, and just see Jesus depicted there. Just in chapter one, Bart. Wow. It's 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 stunning. And to be able to to so I would say, sorry, I'm carrying on here. I would say two things for our church, for, for me too. Number one, let's read big texts about God. Like Isaiah 40 or Psalm 145 or Revelation 1, or there's many, many of those. And let's pray, God, just give me an awe for you from this text. Those are two things. I mean, the Bible contains lots of big texts about who God is and his, his transcendence. And then pray, Lord, incline my heart to that testimony and let me believe in such a way that I am just in awe of who you are. Renew that in me. We have to pray that all the time because we lose the awe. We can boldly approach the throne, mm-hmm. but we still need to remember who's there. Yeah, yeah. So sa- the same it's book, the same book the says we boldly approach the throne and later on in the book says our God is a consuming fire. Mm. And so with that, you recognize there's a there's a idea of holding this tension of God being transcendent and imminent where I can relate, and there's a reference and a fear that's appropriate. And even this, we go back to a word we focused on earlier, it does require some discipline. We've got to train our mind to remember who God is. Mm-hmm. It's in the way we approach him. It's an anti-authority age. It is. Oh, yes. and, and so with that, we, we, we've, we've drunk from that stream for a long time. We need to remind ourselves it authority is there, and it's right and good, and it's there's an appropriate response to it. Yeah. In that sermon three weeks ago, we referenced, uh, we began our study of the Sermon on the Mount, and you suggested, and I'm going to repeat words that you've already said here in this past half hour, that the kingdom of God is God's people in God's place under God's rule. So Jesus has thus far in Matthew, he's spoken to the matter of how a disciple should live. Is there anything else in the way of a capstone comment that you want to share as we prepare to move into chapter 8? A capstone to the Sermon on the Mount. Oh my! I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving it open. Oh. You're gonna hear it now. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, this is just one of the most beautiful sections. I, I think. Here's what I would say. I think a lot of people may read this and say, "Man, this is filled with a lot of rules and regulations and commands and directives." And I opened my sermon on Sunday by saying, "We all we all have had the experience of been given a command or a directive." We understand it completely. We know the consequences for not following it, and we still don't do it. Yep. And uh, here we may say, you know, we choose not to or say that's just insurmountable. I could never do that. And so I want to say again, because I really try to emphasize this in my sermon Sunday, is the umbrella over all of this is grace. The fact that we could in any way obey what we've been talking about in these chapters is grace. It is, Jeff Vesey said it on Sunday in the first song, it is grace that saves us, it is grace that trains us for godliness. So I would just say, I mean, you can go through again the Beatitudes and the keeping of the law and salt and light and uh, praying and fasting and giving in the right kind of way, all these things. Underneath, they're underneath this massive idea of Jesus saying, follow me, and any person turning to follow Jesus in repentance and faith is a sheer act of God's grace. 
any, any obedience here that I render today to God is a sheer act of God's grace. All glory to him. And we're talking about a God who is, as we said, awesome. He is magnificent. His bigness is incomprehensible. And yet he's extending grace to us. All the time. Absolutely don't deserve it. All the time. Yes. Lavishing, Ephesians says, that grace on us. Well, we come to that moment in our time together, Jeremy, when we ask for some insights into next week's passage. And in this case, we're moving into chapter 8 of Matthew and how we can best prepare for prior to this coming Sunday. Now, this week, Jesus starts getting his hands dirty. He, he does. He does. You're right. So, how can we prepare? Yeah, so Trent's going to come on Sunday and I think just give us a great word, uh, seeing what he's going to be doing here. I think that it's important for us to recall, as you just said, the last two verses. They saw this, this Jesus is one who's teaching with authority. We're about to see Jesus' authority in healing disease, in uh, casting out demons, and in calming a storm. Hmm. So we're about to see authority front and center. Here's what this means in terms of the authority he has. And right in the middle of all that, Bart, and this is good to prep for us here, in verses 18 through 22 especially, there's a call again. Follow me, follow me, follow me. So we're going to see Matthew back and forth teaching segments, and we'll call them action segments. Back to teaching segments, back to action segments. So we'll see, you're right, Jesus is going to be in action this week, and we want to recall his authority, his authoritative word, and that there's a call to see him for who he is, and say, that's Jesus, I'm going to follow him. And as we recognize our desire to follow him, we say, that's going to be out of God's grace that I can. And we're going to do it together in community. And I think this is a good chance also, as you said, to be in awe of Jesus. The same God-man who was training, building disciples 2,000 years ago, he's still at it. Yes. Amen. Jeremy Kimball's been with us this week discussing his recent sermon from Matthew chapter 7, and you can access Jeremy's sermon and many other messages from our extensive audio catalog as well as recent podcast episodes by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking podcast on the media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. And please join us next time as we continue in our study of the book of Matthew. And until then, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you again for tuning into this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.